Merkel Media. One of the ladies says she's a spiritual medium that contacts the spirit, gets it to attach itself to her, and then her and the other lady take the spirit outside, and the other lady will cast the demon outside of her outside so the spirit leaves the house. What? What? Yes. And there's Uh, a video of this too on YouTube. Oh my gosh. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. Feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section. You can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. If you want to hear more shows on a weekly basis, every Thursday we drop a bonus show for members only to the website and the Castos app because we have all the membership content on an app as well. So if that interests you, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member, and you'll get access to every Thursday show, the Tuesday shows ad-free, and all the overtime shows. All right, friends, listen, we got something a little different this week because uh, let me just tell you real quick, we are going to the first annual Dogman slash Cryptid Conference. That's right. Paranormal Roundtable with Josh Turner is hosting his first conference. Where is it at? In my home state of Tennessee, Paris, Tennessee, on August 13th. And they have a great lineup of speakers here. Let me read this through. All right. We got host Ken Gearhart. Then you have the guest speakers, Josh Turner, Ron Murphy, Nick Redfern, Bettina Moss, Steve Stockton, Barton Nunley, Nick Valente, Jody Cook, Tony Merkel, that's me, Jay Vault Trucker, Kenny Irish, Elijah Henderson, David Weatherly, Kunbo Baker, and D.A. Roberts. That is one heck of a lineup, friends. If you want to make sure that you're invited, you got to get your tickets. And the ticket link to this conference 
is right below the description of this episode. The tickets are selling out fast. They just went on sale the other day. They already sold 100 tickets. The VIP dinner is already sold out. They only have a few hundred more seats available and they're going like hotcakes. So if you want to get into this conference, you don't want to hesitate. Make sure you go get your tickets right now for the first annual Dogman slash Cryptid Conference in Paris, Tennessee on August 13th. Guest speakers are myself and a lot of better people than me. You don't want to miss it, friends. Come on out, meet me, meet the speakers, and get into it with us. All right, before we get into this week's show, we actually have the guest for this week's show on the line. Raul, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm hanging in there, brother. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. So, uh, listen... Sometimes things kind of come together for uh, the better, I would say. And I wanted to invite you on for this week's intro because we recorded this interview, what, months ago? I think it was back in September last year, 2021. And, uh, you know, we waited and waited to put this out, not for any particular reason, just was in the lineup and we were waiting to put it out. And your turn came up and I contacted you and said, Hey man, your show's going this week. And you're like, it's crazy. Uh, it's because your stories focus around where you're at in New Mexico and New Mexico right now is, um, mirroring something we would call hell. Uh, it is on fire (laughs) and, uh, you're leading the charge on, you're one of the people leading the charge on, uh, relief. And I thought it'd be a good idea to bring you on for the intro to let people know, uh, the guests that they're about to hear as far as the interview goes, uh, is actually raising funds to fight these fires. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk to the people. So I'm going to hand it over to you, my friend, tell them, uh, what they can do, what you're doing and, uh, where they can help. Sure. First off, I just wanted to thank you and everybody that works with the confessionals for giving me this opportunity. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's just perfect timing. You know, it was, it was wild that you contacted me because the same day you contacted me and let it, let me know that we were going to put this episode out. I happened to be on a political talk radio show here in New Mexico and uh, we uh, were raising uh, funds, but mostly we wanted goods because we're, I mean, yes, money's good, but like right now we need supplies for these people that are out of their homes and for the people that are on the front line and all the first responders fighting this blaze. Um, For the listeners who aren't aware, I know you got listeners all over the world. Um, Yeah, uh, New Mexico, northern New Mexico specifically, but there's multiple fires around our state right now. There's some in the south too, but the two biggest fires, it started with one blaze at a place called Hermit's Peak. Then uh, the winds just have not died down here, man. We've been in a high wind advisory, it seems like, for the past month. Like today, we have 70 mile per hour winds in that area. So it's not doing any good to help the blaze calm down. We've got not a single drop of rain. Um, the first fire started with a out of control prescribed burn, believe it or not. I can't believe they even tried to do a prescribed burn during the state's worst drought. And also... Uh, it, during a time when there's red flag high wind advisories, it was just a total debacle by the people that even decided to do that. But that's what started the first fire. And then uh, they say the second fire started from, I believe, a down power line. But that started another fire on another mountain that's uh, separated by a valley. Now the winds have merged these two fires together. And these two fires together, it's called the Calf Canyon Hermit's Peak Fire. Is currently the largest burning fire in the United States and has many, I know hundreds of people that have lost their homes right now, if not thousands. I mean, we're talking about rural areas. So like 
small little towns, small little villages, but there's a town of about, uh, I don't know what Vegas is, Las Vegas, New Mexico, by the way, not Las Vegas, Nevada, but there's a Las Vegas, New Mexico. And that's probably the biggest town affected right now. There's about 15,000 people somewhere around there that live there. There's a university there and a historic site called the uh, World College. It's the Arm and Hammer World College. It's a castle. I don't even know if that's still there because um, it, it, it's in Guyana's Canyon over there. So it's affecting all these people in all these communities and whole towns and villages are being evacuated, rural areas, ranchers, you know, and uh, it's it's just really it's a really bad situation and they don't think they can get a control of it till sometime in July. So instead of sit back and, and uh, you know, my way of dealing and coping with it was get involved. So uh, me and my wife and some of our friends, we just started like uh, we're in the process of getting a nonprofit organization going ourselves. Um, but we've just been doing it out of the goodness of our heart. Everything from people doing online orders at Walmart, and we go pick it up or people sending stuff in Amazon or, you know, cash apping, uh, cash apping us funds, you know. Most of it's been in state though, so it's good to get this information out. I got a couple people I'm going to share with you. I have a friend named Sam Coca. He runs the Castaneda Bar and Restaurant over there in Las Vegas, New Mexico. It's a historical site from our state. It's a very old building, historic hotel. Probably got ghosts in there, man. It's very old, um, right off the railroad tracks. Um, he's running a soup kitchen. Uh, you can donate to him. He's also feeding all the first responders and firefighters there. Uh, when they come into town to get rest and recovery or before they go in to fight the blaze or the ones that are relieving the, the the next cruise, he's feeding all these guys. You could go to feedlasvegas.com. I'll send you the link. You could put it up. Um, people can look at it. It's all legit. This is all with, uh, you know, in works with uh, reputable, you know, uh, organizations like Red Cross, Salvation Army. You know, this guy's uh, just got the space. He's got the big kitchen. And people are coming in and eating those displaced and the first responders. So you can go to feedlasvegas.com. That's one. Um, I got another one here. It's kind of a, a crazy name, but uh, we'll just put the link. But I'll say it. It's uh, This guy works for the Salvation Army. He's spearheading. There's, there's a few camps all around the state where these people have been. One camp uh, actually got moved because that camp got evacuated. Uh, so this new one's in Glorieta. It's an area just outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico. And then there's uh, some more starting up. I've heard an angel fire up north in a place called Taos. Um, but this guy should be able to get goods, resources, whatever you, I mean, whatever in your heart, even if it was a single bottle of water, it makes a difference, believe it or not. But uh, his name is Dwayne Brizale. I believe Brizale is how he pronounces his name. But uh, it's D-W-A-I-N-E dot B-R-E-A-Z-E-A-L-E U-S-W dot salvationarmy.org now that's a that's a breathful but uh we'll put the links up people can look at them if you if god puts it on your heart to to send out a donation it's very much appreciated and uh thank you yeah man i appreciate you doing what you're doing and that's why i wanted to kind of bring you on and stuff because there have been uh people who emailed me talking about the fires in new mexico and uh they the one person kind of got snappy with me in an email and they're, they're like, why aren't you don't having donation links and stuff? And because I'm like, I don't know what donation link I, I'm very careful with that stuff because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times you wind up saying, Hey, go here. I did that in the past with something else. And 
it was brought to my attention very quickly that it was not a good organization, even though they, they say they were, and I thought they were. And so I'm very mm-hmm. careful with that stuff, but because, uh, you are a guest on the show and the, it, it, the way it all worked out, I mean, with, with you being up this week for an interview and then it, it just, I, I, I thought, you know what? Uh, sometimes God just kind of brings things together for a purpose. And I, I just feel like that's this. And I know you feel the same way. So I wanted to bring you on for the intro of this interview that people are going to hear of you uh, that we recorded last year, just so you can share that information. The links are in the description below. So anybody who feels led to donate, whether it's a dollar to a, a bajillion, trillions, billions, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's much appreciated. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, just follow your heart. If you don't feel like you want to donate, that's fine. But if you want to donate, uh, just follow your heart on it and uh, donate where you want and how much you want, friends. Uh, but let's get into this interview with Raul. Man, right on. it's going to be awesome, and uh, I'm excited for people to hear it. All right, today we got Raul on the show. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We uh we just got done chatting up and stuff, and uh, you know you got me a little fired up. And we're not going to go down that path right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got your own personal Tony rant going there. So, <laughs> but uh, it, it it was good conversation, man. But listen, man, you have uh, a lot of different experiences you want to share with us and stuff. I mean, uh, UFO stuff, your your wife's family's land. Uh, you lived with a ghost hunter. I mean, you you kind of have these different experiences, and you said that you had a list of things you wanted to share in chronological order. So listen, man, I'm going to hand it over to you, let you take it away, share with us uh, some of these things that you first started experiencing in your life. Yeah, right on, man. Well, thanks for having me first off. And uh, yeah, you know, when I was real young, like I don't really have anything from when I was a smaller child. Um, you know, my experiences with like weird or paranormal stuff probably started to happen around the seventh and eighth grade. And I think I kind of invited it into my life now that I look back on it. But when I was young, I didn't really, I mean, I had nightmares and stuff, but nothing like crazy, but you know, seventh, eighth grade, uh, I'm 43 years old. So this is like 1990. Um, I had a best friend, man. We'd always like, you know, stay the night at each other's houses and especially summer vacations. You know, I was always either at his house or he was at my house. And, uh, you know, when the parents are at work on, on long summer vacations during the days, you get into things you shouldn't get into and, you know, just being naughty kids that we were being at the time, you know, and, uh, I remember we watched this movie. I don't know if you remember this movie, Witchboard. I think that's what it was called is like a, a, a story about a, a movie about a woman that played with the Ouija board by herself. And it, and at first, like it would do like nice things for her. Like it helped her find her lost wedding ring and, you know, and then it turned like bad on her, you know, and, uh, me and my buddy watched this movie and I was like, my mom has one of those things. And I was talking about the Ouija board. Right. And, uh, he's like, she does. And I was like, yeah, it's in her closet. I was like, dude, let's mess with it. And he was like, yeah, you know, like awesome, dude, let's do it. You know, just bored kids, you know? So I went in my mom's closet, you know, didn't have her permission to go through her stuff or anything, but I went and got this Ouija board and this isn't like a typical Ouija board either, man. It's like, uh, the only way I could explain this Ouija board was like, it was handmade almost. It was like a plank of wood and somebody had like literally burned, like, you know, you need to do wood carvings and you burn. Yeah. Uh, they burned like the whole, the whole thing on the Ouija board, but it had it all, you know, with the sun and the moon and the yes and the no and the numbers and the letters. And, and, uh, you know, uh, it had this old, like wooden little triangular plank that they made with like velvet on the bottom and, 
you know, me and my friend started messing with this thing and th- we didn't even know how to use it. We were just like imitating what we were seeing in, in the movie. Cause it kind of shows her putting her fingers on it and like circling it around and asking it questions. So we would just start out like doing that, you know, and you know, the first time or two that we did it, cause we messed with this thing a few times. Like I didn't notice anything right off the bat, you know, and we were kind of like, uh, well, this ain't nothing's happening, you know, like, I don't know what we were expecting to happen, but, uh, I remember we had a sleepover and some other kids came over some other kids from school. And there was like a bunch of us, like there was like four or five kids in my house that night and uh, we were messing with it and we were asking it different questions. And I remember one of my friends, I didn't even know he was, he was, uh, he was Jewish, you know? And uh, this thing, the board started saying like really like offensive, nasty stuff, you know? And, uh, I don't want to sound like <laughs> offend anybody, but yeah, like the Ouija board told my friend, he's going to burn in an oven. And my friend like started to cry and he was like, you guys, that's not funny. Like, don't mess with me like that. Like, he's like, I've never told you guys that my family's Jewish. And like, why are you guys doing this? If this is a joke, you guys are sick. Like what's wrong with you. And me and my friends were like, dude, like we didn't even know. Like, so that was the first weird thing that happened with the Ouija board. And then, like, uh, my friend started getting hauntings at his house. And I remember he told me a story that uh, he had this little dog. And the back of his house, actually his bedroom, was a sliding glass door to go to the outside, to the backyard. And it had, like, Venetian blinds. And they were high off the ground. Like, you'd have to be, like, you know, a a full-size adult to reach on top of them. You know what I mean? With your hand. And uh, he says that he was sleeping in his bed one night and he was hearing voices come through his vent and he heard like an evil voice that said 911 that's what he told me <laughs> that's creepy and that yeah and uh he said he went and got his little brother out of his room and made him come sleep in his room with him and that when they woke up in the morning all his dog's toys. Cause he had like a doggy door to go outside for his little, he had like a Shih Tzu and the thing would just go in and out, you know, through it, through that doggy door. And it was in the sliding glass door in his room. And, uh, he said when he woke up, all of his dog's squeak toys were lined up on top of the Venetian blinds. And he said, well, his little brother couldn't do it. Cause he's too short. He'd have to pull out a chair to stand up there to do it. He, asked his mom and his mom looked at him like, like, are you crazy? Like, of course not. Why would I go in your room and put all of Tiffy's, uh, that was the name of his dog, all of her toys on the top of your, your blinds. And he didn't do it and nobody else was in the house. So it was kind of like, okay, that's, that's weird. And then I just remember too, like I started getting, you know, really bad, like night terrors, you know, like ones where you're like frozen in your sleep and, and like you're a little kid. So you put the covers over you and, uh, and you're scared to peep out the covers, like just really like wicked intense dreams. I was hearing like things move around in my house and like, you know, in rooms when nobody was there. So yeah, that was like my first really starting to like encounter things that you would call paranormal. And I just remembered one day, you know, me and Kyle talking about this stuff. We're like, dude, that thing's evil. We need to get rid of it. And, uh, we went and, uh, cause I, every time we pull it out, I'd always make sure to like, try to put it back and, and stash it in my mom's closet, like where we found it, you know? So she didn't know we were messing with her stuff. And, uh, we took it and, 
we got baseball bats and we took it to the desert wash because we lived we were living in I was living in Phoenix Arizona and there was a big empty like desert wash on the other side of a they were like patio homes and there was a brick wall and on the other side there's like an arroyo or uh, like a creek you know that the rainwater runs down and we took it down in there we got Ronsano lighter fluid and baseball bats and we beat the crap out of the the thing till it splintered we sprayed it with lighter fluid and we lit it on fire and uh i remember my mom found out and oh man she let me have it <laughs> and uh what was funny though too is like my mom now she's like really active in the baptist church and she sings in the choir and so it was even funny that back then my mom even had something like that you know what i mean like reflecting back on it so that'd be the first yeah. thing that that experience with with paranormal and then uh in eighth grade we had these other brothers so this is like 1991 probably um they're uh steve and jim um the antonini brothers and uh everybody knew like uh that their house was haunted or at least that's what all the kids would say and and these kids like their their parents were kind of like uh parents that were always gone so like it was like a party house you know and like all the kids would like go to their house and like have parties and stuff but everybody would always say that house was haunted and uh one night there was like four or five of us you know kids in the house and we we're like in the uh there was like a living room area and then there was like uh like a kitchen countertop that had like bar stools and then on the other side of that like your your stove and the sink and the refrigerator and me and jim which is a younger brother we were like making macaroni and cheese, I think. And, and my other friend, Kevin was sitting in the bar stool, like, and there was a sliding glass door to go outside, uh, you know, um, by where he was sitting in the bar stools. And then my other two friends were, uh, sitting on the couch and we're just talking and having fun. And they had one of those old radios where you spin the dial and the thing, you know, that's how you change the radio station by spinning the dial. Yeah. And, this thing, uh, we were listening to like the, the hip hop radio station of the time or whatever it was on. And the, this thing just starts like freaking going haywire. And like, it's like moving to different stations and we're like, who the hell's messing with that? And we look and like, nobody's even standing by the radio. It's doing it on its own. And then my friend Kevin just jumps up out of that, that bar stool and he like slams his hands on the countertop and he's all look. And like me and Jim, like come from around the kitchen countertop because we're like at the stove and he points towards the glass the uh, sliding glass door and i swear dude it looked like you know like when you throw a rock in water and how it kind of ripples the glass like did this weird like ripply looking thing i don't know if it was just an illusion or if it was like a reflection but it looked like something rippled across the glass and then from behind us there was a hallway going to like another like front living room den area, but it was all the lights were turned off and this freaking huge, I mean like volley, not volleyball, like a beach ball shaped orb light orb comes flying down that dark hallway and then just goes into the wall. And as soon as this thing like absorbed into the wall, like three doors upstairs shut. Like I get the chills right now, even thinking about it. And like all of us, no, his parents weren't home. Nobody else was home. All of us were downstairs. Dude, we all screamed. We jumped up. We ran outside the house. And like, I remember the Antonini brothers, they were like laughing about it. You know, they thought it was funny. 
but they lived there. So they, I guess they kind of got used to this thing or whatever, but like everybody, we were all freaked out. I was freaked out. And I was like, I'm not going back in your house, dude. And they had like a, they had like a community swimming pool area where they lived. And I remember I slept on a, like a beach cot that they had at the swimming pool. Cause I didn't want to go back to their house. And, uh, I had another friend that, that stayed the night there that left home crying that he said a spirit was calling his name. And he called his, his mom and dad at like two o'clock in the morning and made him go pick him up. And so those were, those were my first couple like experiences with, uh, things out of the norm. And then it, I go quite a few years and like nothing crazy happens. And then, uh, in 2008, I lost my, uh, lost my dad. And, uh, it was like the week of his death, maybe like four or five days afterwards. And, you know, I was taking it pretty hard at the time I was hitting the bottle pretty hard. And, uh, you know, I had a, an older lady friend, you know, not a girlfriend or anything, just a, an older lady that was really nice. That was a really good friend, especially during that time. And, and she would look out for me and she was making sure that I would eat meals. Cause you know, when you're drinking and stuff, you know, I really didn't even feel like eating. So she would like bring me food and she'd be like, here, you need to eat. And I remember we were sitting. Uh, so the way my dad's property was, cause I was living in his property. Cause I took it over. I like, I lived with him while he was sick up until he like died. And then when he passed away, like I stayed at that property for a few years until me and my brother eventually ended up selling the property. But, uh, you know, I was the way that it was set up, there was a house in the front and then my dad had like, like his own little studio apartment that he built in the backyard. My grandma lived in the front house and my dad lived in that studio apartment in the back. So when he passed away, I took over that like studio apartment in the backyard. And, uh, I had at the time I was renting the, the front house to some other people. And so we, me and my friend comes over, my lady friend, Laverne, she comes over and you know, she brings me food and we're eating, we're drinking and I'm listening to my dad's old music. And my dad was really into like country music, like, you know, the good old stuff. And, uh, I was playing one of his uh, cassette tapes, you know, and just reminiscing and we're sitting in the backyard and on the side of the front house, there's a security light. So if something, somebody walked by it, it'd trigger this light to turn on. And, you know, sometimes like, a uh, stray cat or something would trigger the light to go off. So the fact that it turned on by itself wasn't weird, but what ended up happening was, but it was weird. We were sitting there and we're, and I was sitting, so I had like a, like a screen door with the door open and the music was playing and we were sitting in these benches that I had in my backyard and the security light went off on the side of the house. So I thought maybe somebody was coming through the back gate. And I heard the back gate open and shut because it was on a spring. So it, it would swing itself shut, even if you didn't turn around to close the gate behind you. So the light goes off. I hear the gate creak open and then slam shut. And I'm sitting there waiting for somebody to come through the door or, you know, come through the, the side way of the house and emerge into the backyard. And no, nobody's coming. So I was like, oh, maybe it's a cat is what my first thing, like, oh, it's a stray cat or something. And me and my friend Laverne were sitting there. And then all of a sudden I just see a shadow come across the fence. And it was a, it was a pretty tall wooden fence separating my neighbor's yard. And I swear, man, it was the shadow uh, like of my dad. It, 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 he always wore a baseball cap. You know, he had like a pretty, like a thick beard. 
And, you know, in the, in the silhouette of the shadow, it was a man with a baseball hat and like a, like a full beard. You know, if you have a full beard, like it hangs off your chin, you know what I mean? It was like this shadow profile and it just walked by like real quick, maybe a second or two, and then just, just disappeared. And I was like, and my friend was like, I was like, what the, like, I did, I was totally like, didn't even realize what was going on. And my friend was like, I think that was your dad. And yeah, so that was a, that was pretty wild little experience. And that happened like, you know, like four or five days after he passed away, never had any other, well, you know, besides some confirmation that he was like saying hi to me from the other side, like random things would come on the TV or radio that would, I'd be like, ha, oh, that's my dad. You know what I mean? But that experience right there was like definitely uh, uh strange, but, but a, like a cool strange. Yeah. And then, uh, this is where like things really start to get like ramping up for me, man. Like I started getting some really intense, like, uh, like more and more like intense, uh, paranormal stuff happening to me. And it started with this UFO experience. I'm going to go into that happened in, uh, to the summer of 2009. And I've always been like, let me backtrack a little bit. I've always kind of been intrigued by like the occult. And like, I had a friend that, you know, when nine eleven happened, like he got me into conspiracy theories and, you know, we started researching the Illuminati and secret societies and Freemasons. And, you know, I, I watched videos that Alex, J Alex Jones did on the Bohemian Grove. And, you know, I lived right across from a library and I used to go uh, rent books and, you know, somebody told me, read the book of Enoch. And, you know, I think the, that, alien show that's real popular it's first started coming out you know around that time so i'd watch those and you know, i was just really fascinated by the whole phenomenon of like secret societies and the occult and like paranormal stuff intrigued me and i don't know if i like opened up pandora's box but this is just my personal feeling i think like those spirits know when you're looking at into that stuff you know what i mean and you start to open yourself spiritually to have these experiences you know and i remember reading stuff and i would be like you know i was kind of inviting something to happen to me because i'd be like well i want to see something like that you know i want to experience something like that and man sure enough i started having these experiences and it started out 2009 same house so like i told you we had the front house where my that I was renting out at the time it was my cousin and his girlfriend and her kids. And I was living in the apartment in the back and, um, I got off of work and it was like late in the summer. So, uh, you know, the sun goes down like nine o'clock or whatever. And, uh, I, I got off of work like seven thirty, eight 8 o'clock. I went home, I had some beer. I'd knocked on the front house and I told my cousin, his, we call him Puma funny story. Cause he actually got jumped by some kids and they kicked him in the head with a Puma shoe. And he had the imprint of a Puma on his head <laughs> after he got, he, after he got jumped. So he'll tell you it's because he's really fast, but the real story is he got kicked in the head with a Puma shoe. And ever since that he was Puma. So I was with my cousin Puma who was renting the front house and uh, we're sitting in those. Cause I, I know it sounds bad, but I stole from the Carnegie library that was across the street. They didn't have this park bench like chained down. And me and my friends, when we were drunk one day, we moved one of those benches into my backyard. And that's where we'd always hang out and sit on those benches and drink beer and, you know, drink whiskey and listen to music and party in my backyard. So it's like eight o'clock at night, you know, and I go knock on the door. Puma comes out and me and him are sitting on the, the benches outside so it's starting like the sun's starting to go down, but it's not down yet. And I'm sitting 
on the opposite side of the table from him and he's sitting facing the other direction. And I don't know if, it, I guess it'd be, I was facing East and he was facing West, but either way, uh, this is in a place called Las Vegas, New Mexico. So it's a smaller town. And yes, there is a Las Vegas, New Mexico, by the way, <laughs> the original Las Vegas, older than Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, really weird place, by the way, you'll hear more about this soon, but, uh, this is when it starts to get weird. Um, so I'm facing the opposite direction and in this town, it's a smaller town. And like a lot of the houses in this town are like the old Victorian style homes. So it's a really popular place for them to go shoot movies. I don't know if you know, like New Mexico is like a big, big for the, the film shooting industry right now because they okay. film out here tax-free. So all these studios are moving to New Mexico. And, and actually I, I, I currently, my last position was working with uh, one of these shows pretty cool, but uh, it's a real popular town that they shoot in. Cause there's a lot of history here. There's a lot of old Victorian homes. There's these giant elm trees that line the streets. It's like a, a really cool looking, uh, you know, if any of your people listen to the podcast, want to see the town, watch the original Red Dawn movie. That's where it was filmed. It's not in a place in Colorado. It's actually in that town in, in New Mexico. So, and the beginning scenes, the library that I used to live across from. So back to the, the, the experience, I'm sitting facing the other direction and behind my house, there's an alley and then the house is on the other side, but these elm trees are really big that line the streets, you know, they're, they're, they go up higher than the houses themselves. And, you know, obviously you could see the trees through the gaps in the houses and I'm sitting there and I remember, cause there's a lake, there's a, a place called Story Lake that's on the uh, other side of town. And it's not uncommon that you see migrating birds flying over the town that are going to that lake. And I just remember because I wasn't expecting to see anything. I saw something out the corner of my eye to the right. And at first I was like, well, there's a flock of Canadian geese flying in a V formation. That's what I thought. And then I noticed it wasn't moving. And something told me, you turn your head and look. And I turned my head and I look at this thing. And lo and behold, I can't even believe it, man. There's a freaking UFO like hovering on the what would be the opposite street from the, the behind the alley from behind the houses that are that are from me and where the, the trees are, you know, down the street a little bit there's a freaking UFO, like a, like a V shaped UFO. And like I said, it's just starting to get dark. So I, I noticed they had like these, these red, reddish, yellow, orange lights. And they look like, uh, like coals in a fire, you know, like it didn't look like a typical light that was just red or just yellow or just orange. Like they were like, it was like pulsating these colors. And I freaking, I, I, I had a glass beer. I stood up and I, I, I threw my beer and it hit the river rocks in my backyard and shattered everywhere. And I grabbed the table of the bench and I said, there's a bleeping UFO. And my cousin Puma uh, like stands up like quickly and he's all, what, where? And I like grab him because he's facing the other direction by the shoulders from the other side of the table. I turn him around and I point at it. And I was all, look, and he's all, what the is that? And then right when we, right when he said that this thing like raises up like hovering and it, it goes to like a higher elevation. Cause it was pretty low and it goes to a higher elevation and then just, whoosh, just zooms like nothing you've ever seen before. And me and him were both like, what 
uh, did we just see what we saw? Like we're tripping out, dude. And like, I'm asking him, so what did you see? What did you see? And, and he explains the same. And I was like, that's what I saw. I'm like, Oh my God. Well, I'm like, dude, we're not tripping. Are we? His girlfriend comes out the, the front house at this time. She comes to the backyard, you know, uh, to check on us. And, and we're talking about this thing we just saw. And she starts laughing at us and she's like, Oh, you guys, what'd you take? Are you guys on shrooms? You know, like you guys are stupid. Like you must think I'm silly. And then while she's out there making fun of this, all of a sudden in another part of the sky, those things pop out and then they just start doing all these crazy, like I've seen videos on like YouTube and a lot of videos on like paranormal kind on camera of like orbs, like, you know, like a bunch of them showing up and then they fly and start doing different formations. And that's what this thing, that's what it was doing. It would like pop out and you'd see like four and then you'd see like six and then it'd make like a circle and then it'd go back to a V and then it would just shoot across the sky. And then like, and it just kept happening and it was happening in different parts of the sky. And so this is in 2009. And I didn't even think at the time, I, I, I don't, I didn't even have a cell phone at this time. I was living in a small town. I still had a landline. Uh, my cousin Puma had, I think it was like, whatever blackberry phone was out at that time and then finally like i told him like dude like try to try to get some pictures of this thing like you know try to film it you know and uh and we would stand like i would stand one direction he'd stand one direction and his girlfriend would stand another direction because it would pop out in different parts of the sky and whoever would see it we'd all turn to what they were looking at my neighbor was i guess hears us from his yard and he leans, he get, he comes over the fence and he's all, what the heck are you guys doing, dude? He's like, I can hear you. And we're like, dude, there's UFOs, there's UFOs. And he's like, what? And he's like, no way. And we're like, come here, man. Like stand here with us. And sure enough, dude, they start popping out again. And he sees them. I get on the phone. I call my other friend. We called him Hoffa. I called this dude and he lives down the street. He comes running over to my house. He ends up seeing it. So there's a little UFO watch party going on in my backyard. I don't know how long this lasted, like 30 to 45 minutes. I even got on the phone at the time. And I remember, you know, I, I had to use a phone book because I didn't have a smartphone. And I like called like the Al local Albuquerque news station, which is the major city in New Mexico, you know, and I, I was telling them, dude, I was like, do you guys got any like camera crews out here in Las Vegas, New Mexico? I was like, we're out here and we're seeing UFOs. And I remember like the people on the phone, like, were like, yeah, um, sure, pal. You know, it's kind of the attitude I got from them. And they were like, well, why don't you just get some like video footage of it and we'll look at it. And if it looks good, maybe we'll use it. And they kind of, they just wrote me off, you know? And I was like, well, you know, like wh whatever, you know, go went back and it, eventually it just stopped happening. And, uh, I remember my, my neighbor, Carlos, the guy that came over the fence was like, he's like, what the hell was that, man? He's like, he was mind blown. We were all mind blown. You know, this is the first time I've ever seen anything like this. All of us, you know, and we're back there talking. I mean, uh, we, it was a crazy conversation we were having. And I just remember my neighbor was like, man, he's like, he was like an atheist. He didn't believe he's that one of those people. I have to see it to believe it. And I remember him saying that night, he's like, dude. He's like, this rocked my world. I'm going to go back home. And he's like, I'm going to pray with my family. And he's like, pray, dude, you don't even believe in God, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it really shook him up too, you know? So that was the, the first uh, experience that I had with UFOs and, and not the last. That's so crazy. this really sends me, yeah. So this really sends me into like, okay, like I know, and, and, and dude, these weren't drones. They weren't 
planes. They weren't helicopters. Like I used to work EMS. You know, there are like medical flights that go back and forth between, uh, you know, small winged aircraft and, and helicopters that fly people from rural areas to the city for treatment. It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't anything. I mean, if the military has stuff like this, bro, then they must be working with extraterrestrials because this thing like defied physics, you know, and, and the way it moved and it was weird. Like, so that sends me on this. Okay, man, I'm like, I'm really digging into this stuff now, you know? So like I said, my, my, um, searching and my, my digging starts getting more enhanced and deeper. Um, and, uh, I remember I started really researching at this time, I was really researching the Masons and there was a, there's a big history, like old history in this town. It's like the, one of the oldest towns in Northern New Mexico it has a lot of history, supposedly they used to hang people in the elm trees in the plaza downtown like criminals and 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 you know like cattle thieves um billy the kid has a history in this town like this town has a lot of like old new mexican history and supposedly no not supposedly there is underground tunnels in this town that go from the plaza hotel and they run underground to the old one of the old catholic churches and underground to a masonic temple and during Halloween in this town, they open those things up and they let people uh, run around in them during Halloween time. So you know, I was like into researching like the Masons and all this stuff. And and I remember there was a where the, the Masonic Lodge wasn't too far from my house. And I there used to be this bar uh, called Dick's that was, you know, walking distance from my house. But I have to walk past this Mason Lodge to get to it, to the street that it was on. And one night I would, you know, I'd walk because I didn't want to drink and drive. And it was a short enough walk for me to, to walk home. So one night I go out and I have a few drinks and I'm walking by myself to my house. And this is when I'm researching all this stuff. And, you know, I don't know if you, you know about Molech and they burn this giant yeah. effigy of a, of an owl in Northern woods of California. And, yep. and supposedly like Molech can be a, like a bull or an owl. I don't really understand how it works, but they do supposed mock human sacrifices to him and say these, like uh, these satanic prayers where they wash away their cares. And it's like the world elite go to these things. And like, it's like a secret. And, you know, Alex Jones did a thing on it back in the day. And, you know, I was like into that stuff. And, and it was funny because I'm walking and I would have never known this thing was there. It let, made its presence known to me, but I'm walking down the street. It's nighttime. And right on top of the Mason Lodge, first I hear this, and I was like, and I turned my head and I look, and there's a huge owl, man. And he's sitting on top of the Mason Lodge. And I'm thinking in my head, ha ha, that's hilarious, dude. Like, what a coincidence, dude. You know what I mean? That's what I'm thinking. So I walk further down the street, I turn the corner and then there's this old Sable Matt gas station that had like one of those old school, old school gas signs where they, you know, put the numbers for the price of gas on, you know, and, and then when I'm walking past that, he's sitting on top of the sign at Sable Matt, like, like hooting and making noise at me. So I'm like, I start, I'm starting to get creeped out. You know what I mean? And, uh, I, I keep walking down the street and at this point I'm on the street that I live on. And like I said, I lived across from uh, Carnegie library and there's a bunch of big trees in that park and I get close to my house and then he's in the trees 
at the library and he's hooting at me. And I remember, man, I'd like, once I got to like where my yard was, I like turned, hit, hit that side gate, went to my room, <laughs> my studio and locked that, you know, locked it up and was like, what the heck was that all about? It like creeped me out. You know, I had a hard time sleeping that night. It was just like really weird. Like it wasn't normal. That's not normal activity, like of an animal, you know what I mean? And that wasn't my first experience with them, but with owls, you know, um, uh, the girl that I was dating at the time, this is probably a few months later. And same thing. I was with her brother who was at the time going through nurse nursing school and me and him, she used to always tell us like, can you guys stop watching those videos? Like, I'm tired of it. I don't want to hear that stuff. She's like, it gives me bad vibes. Like, you know, she would get mad when we'd watch these videos, but her brother, I got him all into this stuff. And, and we were watching videos about like, <laughs> like Bohemian Grove and like secret societies. And like, I go outside and it was like, we paused the video on the laptop and I go outside and right on the telephone pole, right outside of her apartment is this giant owl. And I'm like, okay, like I'm creeped out. Like immediately I'm like, okay, this is weird. Like now you're over here. Like, and it's dead, like staring right at me. And I'm, I have my back, like I'm by the front door. I have my back to the door. I have a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. And I'm looking at this thing and I was like, okay, like, I'm not going to let this thing spook me. I put my beer down. I switched my cigarette to my left hand. I lean down. I pick up a rock from, uh, from the front area, like right off the sidewalk. And I whiz this thing at this owl. I throw a rock at it. And I've never thrown a rock at a bird or a wild animal and it doesn't take off or fly away or scurry off. You know, this thing, this rock that I picked up, I mean, it whizzed right by this thing's head and it didn't flinch or move a bit. And I was like, at that point, I, I, I didn't even turn my back to it. I slowly extinguished my cigarette and I walked into my, my back to the wall and I opened the door from behind my back and I I went in the house and closed the door watching this thing the whole time. I go to the room where my girlfriend at the time is sleeping and I'm like, or she was laying down. I don't know if she was asleep yet. And I'm like, I'm like, Hey, hey look outside, look outside. Like there's a giant owl outside. And she's like, she, and then she looks out the window and she tells me she, she quote from her. She's all, you need to stop with that shit. Like you're, which, whatever you're doing, you need to stop. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was pretty odd with the owls. And then I'm assuming um, you so didn't stop that, though. I'm assuming you didn't stop. Oh no, man. No, no, man. So it, it, it intensifies from here. So I moved to, cause I, I kind of started doing bad in that town and you know, it's a small town, so it's kind of like boring. And so I was drinking a lot and you know, like there's other things that go on in that town. And I saw a lot of my friends doing bad. And I was like, you know, I had an uncle tell me like, you need to get out of here and change your life. And you're really smart. You should, you should go to school and do this and do that. And, you know, I did have kids and uh, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I need to get my life straight. You know what I mean? Because I'm not being the best version of myself and you're right. And so I decided, you know, me and my, my brother put the house on the market and I moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I stayed as a short stint 
at, on my family's land where eventually I end up having more weird experiences down the road when I go back there. But, uh, you know, I stayed like a, like a little stint, like six months in like a little cabin house, like in the woods in Northern New Mexico. And it was the best thing for me because I was disconnected from everybody. And it gave me time to, to, you know, read the Bible and reflect on what was important and get myself clean. And I would wake up in the morning and there'd be a herd of elk in front of my house. And, you know, it really brought me back to reality. And then after that, in 2012, I moved back to Albuquerque, New Mexico and it gets crazy again. Stuff starts getting crazy. So, you know, I was, uh, I was in this, uh, like underground hip hop group that, you know, me and my buddies were recording music and we were doing shows in downtown Albuquerque at the time. And, uh, and my buddy that I was living with, it was his house. He was, uh, he was getting into, uh, ghost hunting and he had bought all this equipment. You know, it was like an EVP machine and, uh, some, uh, handheld recorder that he said was really good for picking up phenomenon. And then he had like infrared cameras, and uh, spirit box. And I don't know, like all this stuff that he was buying. And I was like, dude, you're crazy. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm, I'm not getting down with all, like all that. Like you're, you're, you're out there, you know, but I was living with them and, and uh, you know, he showed me this, this weird book too that he had. And like, he, he really was like going all in in this stuff. And he had this book and I call it a tome because this thing is not even a book. It's like this really old, like had a big Mason symbol on it. It was like from the early 1900s. And I wish I could remember what it was called. And it had like all the world's religions in it. And, and then it had like, a, like different parts of the book and he wouldn't let anybody look at this thing. And he said it was worth like, I don't know, like thousands of dollars, this, this tome that he had. And he had got it from this Rastafarian is what he told me. And uh, he let me look at it one time and it had like how to summon demons and how to make citrical circles and what elements to put in the circles and, and, and different, Dang. you know, prayers to chant. Yeah. It was a weird book. And I specifically remember the page I opened up to, I'll never forget it. It was like Mephistopheles. I think he was called. And it, sh it showed how you could summon Mephistopheles and he looked like Yoda from Star Wars, the, the little, you know, drawing that they had depicted in this book. It was like really weird. And so he was into this stuff deep, you know, and uh, he, he, he's contacting people at Facebook on this time, you know, like trying to get people to uh, houses to go investigate or places that are haunted. And so he joins these communities on Facebook or whatever, and he's contacting people and he gets a message from this guy and this guy's like, Oh, I got a house for you, buddy. And so he tells me to go with him because he's got a lot of expensive equipment. And this was in a really, really bad neighborhood in Albuquerque, like, uh, you know, in old, uh, Albuquerque down by the train tracks, you know, a lot of drugs and gangs in this area. And he's like, bro, he's like, don't make me go by myself, man. He's like, I just want to go do the initial investigation, check it out. And then we'll go back later with more people and we'll do the full blown, you know, thing. So I go with him to this and there's actually, uh, I could probably find it. I think that he, it's still posted somewhere on YouTube on his old channel, like the uh, uh, original walkthrough that we did. And so I'll send you the link to that after we talk or whatever. And, uh, we show up at this place and it's on this property and it's an abandoned house from this guy and his family own this property. And there's other houses in the back by the train tracks that nobody lives in anymore. They're abandoned. They're run down, you know, and the windows are broken out. The floors are, you know, 
dilapidated, uh, you know, the, it's just, it's like, looks like an old rundown abandoned house. And the guy that his family still lived in the front, uh, property said they've erected fences and done all kinds of stuff to try to keep vagrants from going in there. But, you know, people like the homeless people were going in there, squatting in there. He said people like there was evidence that somebody was cooking meth in there. Like there was satanic stuff written on the wall. There was clothes of garlic, like hanging from the ceiling. There was like stuff that people had just left behind. And he's telling us the story of this house. And supposedly a couple people have died at that house. One guy was a gang member, got shot in the face, like on the front porch. And then uh, another guy committed suicide in that house and there's still like blood on the wall where you could see from where this guy had done this to himself and then after that nobody lived in that house anymore and it just got run down so he's telling us the story and we're walking through this house and uh there's a thick pile of dirt and dust on the floor so as you're walking around the house you could see your footprints you know and all of a sudden on the floor starts appearing blood like fresh blood and me and my friend uh that brought me there were like okay dude like uh this isn't funny like where's the fake blood like you're dripping this on the floor aren't you and he's all no man i swear dude i'm not messing with you he's like i no because we walked because I don't know if it was me who walked through it first, or I think it was the guy that took us there, walked through it. And I know we noticed it smear on the floor. And, uh, you know, so my friend's like trying to ask him like, Hey bro, don't be like bullshitting us. Like if, if you're doing this dude, come clean. Like this isn't, this isn't funny. Like we're here legitimately trying to like capture real stuff. Like don't be messing with us. And he's all dude, I swear I'm not doing that. And he empties the contents of his pockets and he's like we put the camera on him and and so i'm like okay well maybe i have a bloody nose or maybe i got caught on a nail or something and i'm somebody's dripping blood so we're looking at each other like where is this coming from you know there's no evidence of an animal that just ran through because you you know what i mean uh we're like where is this blood coming from and i didn't want to touch it but my friend with the camera goes down and he touches it sure enough it smears across the floor and there's like little droplets of blood just appearing on the floor I don't know the weirdest thing. And, and, and it was like late fall getting into winter at this point. And I remember like, it was so cold in that house, not to mention just all the weird stuff we saw on the wall, all the weird artifacts in there, you know? Oh, and then another thing it said on the wall, it said D rail, like D uh, hyphen rail. Be careful out there. So one of my older brother's name is Daryl and I've never heard anybody else with this nickname, but he calls himself D-Rail. And for this freaking writing to be on the wall, D-Rail, be careful out there, was like, how is this even possible? I've never even heard that name anywhere. And now it's on the wall in this haunted house that we're at, you know, next to 666 and pentagrams everywhere. Like, I was like, oh, that's funny, you know? And, oh, we captured voice phenomenon, like, uh, there, my friend on the, on the camera, you know, picks up this voice with this box. He's all, are there any spirits in here that want to make their presence known? And this little voice comes through and it says, I already told you, my God. Wow. Like, yeah, 
and you can hear it on the audio recording. It's pretty, it's a pretty good recording. Like, uh, I'll try to track down the video on YouTube and hopefully the whole thing's still up. I don't know. I don't talk to this friend anymore. It's kind of sad, but, um, you know, he's, you know, that's something else, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, the last time I looked, I did find, I had to do some digging, but I did find it on his old YouTube, YouTube channel. So I'll share that with you. So anyways, I do that initial investigation with him and we leave home. And like I said, it was brutally cold. I wasn't really dressed. I wasn't prepared for this. It started getting dark while we were there. We finally leave. He tells me I'm going back, man. That place is awesome. And he's pumped up because he found a real haunted house. Right. And so he gets a group of people on Facebook and he goes back and he does an investigation. I don't go with him for the second one. At this point, I'm like, dude, that was enough for me. Like that place creeped me out. I don't want to go back. I don't want to have nothing to do with it. I go home. I talk to one of my cousins. She's like, put black salt around your windows and, and burn sage and light a Jesus candle and put holy water on your belongings and wash your, your shoes. And she's telling me all this stuff to do to like cleanse myself spiritually. Cause like by this point, I'm starting with all the stuff I've researched. I, I, I I'm kind of figuring that, you know, these spirits can follow you around. So I wanted to make sure I was protected. Well, my buddy, he didn't do any of that. I think he was like, he was rogue. He was like thinking he was like, you know, Mr. Macho and I'm going to like tackle this paranormal world. It's kind of just how his attitude was. He had that kind of bravado to him. You know what I mean? And uh, like, oh, there ain't nothing that can hurt me. I'm fine. You know, and well, something followed us home because we started having weird stuff happening in that house, man. I had two different friends you know, that, that stopped staying the night at our house. Cause we were, we were recording music and stuff and we'd stay up late and have different people at the house and people just couch or crash on the couch, you know? And, uh, the couple friends had said they seen this entity that looked like a distorted witch. And it was like, a like a ghostly entity, like white smoke and mist and it, and two different people, not the same person, described almost the same thing. They were sleeping on that couch. They woke up from a dead sleep in sheer terror. And this thing materialized through the front door, flew directly at their face. And right when it was about to hit them, just vanished into thin air. And, uh, me myself too, like one day I was sitting in the front and I was watching YouTube and nobody was there at the house at the time. And I was watching a documentary on YouTube about aliens and it got into this whole thing uh, on the, at least this specific documentary got into like, you know, that gray aliens are demons from hell. And it was talking about their fallen angels that fell with Lucifer. And I, and, and right when this documentary on the TV mentioned Lucifer, like I just heard like one of the cabinets in the kitchen, like just slam with so much force. And like, uh, like glasses and a bowl fell out of the, like off the cabinet next to it and like onto the, the kitchen countertop and broke. And we had a pit bull. She came running from, uh, whatever part of the house she was in and she just zoomed herself right underneath my legs. And I remember I was so freaked out. I didn't even want to get up off the couch and go in the kitchen. I was so scared to go see what was in there. I didn't see anything, but like, there's nothing to explain like that would happen, you know, how that would happen. And I called my buddy and I was telling him, Hey man, like I was telling him what just happened. And, and he, he kind of laughed at me and I was like, bro, this ain't funny, bro. Like I'm just freaked out. And then, um, the last 
couple crazy things that happened at that house and then I'll move on to something else. But one night he was sleeping in his room and I was in my own room and he gets me up. I don't even know what time it is. And I know it sounds cliche, but it's probably like three, four o'clock in the morning, you know, the witching hour, whatever he's in his room and he comes out to me and he tells, he knocks on my door and he's all, come here, come here. He's all bro. There's something oozing out of my wall above my bed. And I'm like, yeah, right, dude. And I go in his room and like that same kind of looking stuff, but it was a kind of a different color. It almost had a purple color to it as well. Like this freaking stuff was like oozing out of his wall above his bed. And like, I don't know from further research, like when you have paranormal activity and spirits are like manifesting themselves, I've heard like, like the ghostbusters talk about ectoplasm. Like I was, we eventually kind of thought maybe that was like later on, we thought, well, maybe that was like ectoplasm. And, and he, he told me that he was having a nightmare with a, with a dark entity in a, in a cloak that was choking him. And he said he was trying to wake himself up, but he couldn't, he was battling this thing in his sleep, but he said it felt so real. Like he was really being choked, but he woke up out of breath. But he said, as this thing was choking him, he said that uh, he was trying to cry out to God and this thing was mocking him, telling him your faith is not strong and was just choking the crap out of him. And he said he just continued to cry out to God and eventually this thing uh, let up and then he woke up and that stuff was coming out of his wall. So, you know, this ends up scaring him. So he ends up having two white witches that he found on Facebook once again, come over to the house and do a cleansing. And when they first came over, I was there the first time, one of them ladies was a spiritual medium that says, so they travel into, I guess these two ladies and they were older, probably like in their late fifties, early sixties. And uh, one of the ladies says she's a spiritual medium that contacts the spirit, gets it to attach itself to her. And then her and the other lady take the spirit outside and the other lady will cast the demon outside of her outside. So the spirit leaves the house. What? And, what? Yes. And there's uh, a video of this too on YouTube. Oh and my this, gosh. Oh, this, yeah. And the lady starts, uh, well, this is what well, I'm getting excited here. So check this out. So she's walking around the house and the one lady and without us telling her, she said, there is a very strong witch in this house. Spirit of a witch. And what did my buddies say they saw? A witch fly through the door at their face. So I'm like, totally like, okay, like this is super creepy. So they leave, they plan on like coming back and doing this exorcism or what, you know, of the house or whatever. And my buddy was like, oh, I'm going to record this. This is going to be good. Like, and, and I happened to be going on a date that night. And this was my first date with this girl that I was going on. And like, she ends up showing up at my house and these two, I don't want to be, but they were odd. They were odder women. You know, they, they lived a, a lifestyle. Most people don't live, <laughs> you know, obviously if they're doing stuff like this, you know, and, but they were nice. They were super nice ladies. They show up and like this g girl meets me and he's like, do you guys want to hang out and watch this? And I was like, uh, yeah. Do you want me to have this person like leave here? Like terrified? Like, no, thank you. I'm going to leave the house. So he goes and he does this thing with these ladies and there's a video of it. He takes them outside. Um, and one of the ladies, they have the camera on her with night vision. Cause it's at night in his front yard. And it's funny too, because you see our neighbors, which we partied a lot at that house. So they probably thought we were crazy. Anyways, he's got these two older ladies in front of his house. They're splashing this woman with holy water. 
and the they have crosses out and this lady's freaking out she rips her shirt off uh, it, she doesn't uh, expose her breasts but she does get like rips down to her bra and she screams in the camera while he's saying the our father prayer and she looks dead in the camera and she goes your father is not in heaven he's in hell and like they do this whole thing on camera with this lady and supposedly to exercise this demon out of her by the end of the video she's rolling around in the grass and uh so supposedly though the lady said yeah the the spirit attached itself to her and the it left so i didn't stay at that house too much longer after that yeah um, <laughs> like i said I, I i was i was getting more involved in my kid's life and and i was you know i was going to school and and i was headed towards a career and i was like i can't be living like this and you know i met my wife who i'm with now and and had more kids and, and, uh, you know, like I was in a transition period and I was like, dude, this is not the place for me to live. You know what I mean? When I'm trying to get my life straight, <laughs> this is a crazy house. So I, I moved from there and, uh, sorry, I took a few notes because I didn't want to lose myself, but, uh, the next like, uh, experiences that I started to have are, are with my wife that I'm with now. And, uh, um, I have photographic evidence of some of this stuff as well. And, um, but we went on a hike in the Sandia mountains. This is a good spirit though. I think, uh, this is like 2015, 2016. We're hiking in the Sandia mountains here in Albuquerque and we're walking a certain trail and just snapping pictures on the cell phone. And then later on, when we start looking at the pictures, there's a little green marble orb that followed us everywhere. And it's like following my kids and my dog. And I know it's not just a light phenomenon of sunlight hitting the camera because in some of these pictures, we were literally behind a cliff with the inside the shadows of the cliff. So it wasn't even sunlight coming in the camera. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen those, those phones where you can hit the, the picture and it snaps like, like 15 or 20 pictures in like two or three seconds. Yeah. Um, we had one of those where you can do that and you can go through the picture and you can see this little orb manifest itself out of one of the bushes. And I swear it looks like a green cat's eye marble. I'll send you the pictures. Um, you can check that out, but, uh, it, it was weird. We didn't see it though. We didn't see it, but it was there. Um, and then just from, from some research that I did, I don't know, I think maybe it could have been, it was, I researched green orbs like that and everything that I kind of found kind of said like they're, they're not a uh, ominous spirit or out to harm you. It could have been like an animal spirit or something. I don't know, but we didn't get creeped out uh, from that time. And then, um, you know, same summer one night we're and I, I live by Kirtman air force base in Albuquerque. So I'm right by the air force base. So seeing different stuff in the sky is weird where I live, but, uh, one night, me and my uh, girl were sleeping in the room, and we're looking. We had it was you know like springtime, so the weather was real nice. We didn't have the the air conditioner on, but we had the windows open with the screen shut, and where the blinds were drawn open. And my girl's like, "What is that?" And there was like a it looked like a like a diamond spinning in the sky, and it lasted like about I don't know fifteen seconds to 30 seconds this thing and you could see it it wasn't a star too it looked like way closer than the stars behind it and it it looked like it was rotating at such a high speed and then it just vanished so i saw that diamond in the sky and then 
later that summer. Um, and I, I think this one might've been like more like military technology. Cause we do, it could have been UFO cloaking. I don't know, but we live by an air force base. So who knows what they, what kind of stuff they do there without telling us. But my girl was the first one to notice this. And it was later that summer, but she was outside at, at the time. Um, she and I smoke, we don't smoke anymore, but at the time she still smoked cigarettes and she was outside smoking in the front yard. And she comes inside and she tells me, come outside. She's all, look, like the sky looks weird. She's like, does this look right to you? And she's all, look, she's like a whole section of the sky is like shifting. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, look at those stars right there. So let me try to explain this the best way I can. But it looked like a segment, uh, like a cluster. And, and in the city, you don't usually get a lot of stars. You know what I mean? You see a few you know, but it's not like when you're out in the woods, but this night there was a fairly decent amount of stars you could like pick out in the sky. And there was like a section, a cluster of them. And it looked like they were moving counter, you know, to the, to the way the other stars were positioned in the sky. And it looked like, like a group of stars were just shifting along the sky. But while we, while we were looking at this thing, like, we started to get like just the most intense, like headache. It was so weird. Like it was like almost like you couldn't look at it, but I almost think like I've heard of like the military having like technology where they can project whatever's behind them and you can't see them themselves like cloaking technology. I don't know if that's true, but uh, it was almost like this thing was projecting an image and there was something gliding across the sky. And, uh, I remember there was a, a, a couple that was walking a dog across the street and I even like kind of whistled at them and got their attention. I asked them to look at it and, and they saw it too. And they're like, Oh my God, that's weird. Like, and they were like, yeah, that is weird. And then I just remember that night, me and my wife come in the house and, and it, we tried to both lay down and go to sleep. And I had the most, I'm not, I've never got migraines before. You know, I've had really bad hangovers and stuff, but I've never had a migraine headache and like, this was had to be like a migraine. It was like pulverizing. Like I couldn't even sleep. It was so weird. It was just really odd. Um, so those are a couple more like weird, like UFO type, you know, uh, experiences that I've had, but this leads into like the most hands down intense paranormal experience that I've ever had. I mean, next to seeing the birth of, my son, you know, or something like that, you know, this is like, but it's on a different kind of level. It's just like, I don't know, life altering, eye opening, jaw dropping, scary, intense experience that I've ever had in my life. And thank God I wasn't by myself. I was with my wife and, and my best friend, Benji. So this is on his property. This is back in Northern New Mexico. Cause we traveled back and forth and my, uh, my girl's family has land up North to my, my father-in-law has a cattle ranch in Northern New Mexico and, and, uh, you know, he's got like 20 to 30 head of cattle and they have a little cabin and, you know, and that's on one side of, of the, of these mountains where uh, Hermit's Peak and Johnson's Mesa are. And then, so on the other side of that is where my best friend's property is. This is where this experience happens on my friend Benji's property. And this is the one I was telling you about when we, when we first talked that, uh, Man, this dude's place is becoming like Skinwalker Ranch. There's so much weird stuff going on out there, man. I wish you, you could talk to him. 
he's more of a private person. If I could get him to talk to you, man, I don't want to steal his thunder or his story, but he told me like, he's even said he's seen giants, <laughs> um, giants on his ranch, crazy, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so anyway, you, you, so you, hold on. We'll get, you, you, go ahead. I just, before I forget, you need to talk to him and tell him, bro, it's either you willingly talk to him or I make you talk to him. <laughs> well, he's a pretty cool guy. He's just more private than me. He, he's a different personality type and he's a little more, but I, I could probably coerce him into something. I was telling you, man, I think it, like, I would really tell you, like, if you want to get some stuff like on camera, man, this would be a great place to do it because activity is just ramping up. But this is the first time, like, well, I guess, I don't know, weird stuff has been happening to him out there. He's lived out there his whole life. He's like a rancher boy to the core. You know what I mean? He breaks horses. He He's a rancher. He's a rancher. That's his life. You know what I mean? Um, but he lives up there full time. So like he tries not to, he tries not to let things get to him. But recently I've noticed things are getting to him because he's told me, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't know if it's a sign of the times and activities going up just because the, the state of the world we're in and demonic spirits have so much power right now. I don't know what it is. I don't know if there's something or a resource on his land. I don't know if there's like something that they're looking for. I don't know if there's, I don't know what it is or if it's a, a, a spiritual gateway, like a dimensional gateway, but something is going on in this land. So I'll just go into the story. So this is like 2016, Late summer 2016, uh, we go and we visit all the time. When we go spend time at our ranch, we'll take a night or two and go spend at his ranch. And, you know, we just have fun, you know, hang out, bonfires, you know, and stuff and shit outside and enjoy like the beautiful stargazing and the animals. And like, you know, we always sit around at night and just have good conversations and drink beer and whiskey and whatever else we do until the night fades on and we all go to sleep, you know? But this night was, uh, we went and he took us to these people's property, this house. And it was, uh, like, they were like more like hippie type kids. I think they were from Colorado and their family owns land there. And they had zip lines and they were playing banjos and guitars. And we were hanging out with these people and it got to be kind of late. And he goes, dude, let's go back to the ranch. He goes, they're running out of beer. And like, he's like, I got some beers and half a bottle of Jameson in the fridge. And, you know, uh, up there it's like dirt roads, you know what I mean? You don't see anybody out there, especially late at night. And not to mention he's lived out there his whole life. So his truck, he can literally drive through the woods on pathways that he's carved from like, you know, cutting trees or, you know, pathways he's carved through his property or dirt roads that he knows that like nobody knows exist out there. So we leave this property. It's nighttime. We leave this property. We we're going back to his property and he parks his truck and he lives where his, uh, where his house is. It's like his house sits high on one side of a valley. And then there's a more mountains and kind of like a mesa top on the top of his property that's on inside of his property fence line. And up there, there's like a pond and like an area where we like would put tents and camp out his, his ranch house is a little bit lower than that out of the tree line, you know, and it starts to where his ranch house is, it starts to go down into a valley and then there's a, 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 a creek and then there's more grass. And then there's an old abandoned, uh, like a Spanish, uh, style Adobe church 
on the outside of his property and then the fence, the fence line, and then this old Adobe church. And it's pretty big. You know what I mean? So we come the back way through his property and he parks his truck with the tail bed facing the valley. And he goes, well, he goes, I got to go inside. He had to use the bathroom. He's like, he's going to go grab the, the booze and shit and then come back. And he leaves me and my, me and Gabby, my wife uh, uh, out there. And this night was like a full moon or close to a full moon. So once your eyes adjust at night, you could see pretty well with the moonlight, you know, like we didn't have to have flashlights to kind of see And He has horses and cows and you could see the silhouettes of the animals in the field. You know what I mean? Like their shadows in the field uh, down below in the valley from where we were sitting on his truck. And uh, we're just sitting there like enjoying, like looking at the sky and, you know, like feeling the fresh summer air of the, you know, in the mountains and just enjoying it and smoking a cigarette. And, uh, I feel, I, I guess I'm looking one direction and my girls looking the other direction. I feel a slap come across my chest and Gabby's all look. And we, I look in the direction she's looking and out the trees from the other side of the Valley across from the dirt road, out of the tree line from where the mountains and, and, and hills start from the other side of the valley comes this fiery orb. I've seen these things before, you know, like I said earlier, but I've never seen one. I've seen them in the sky doing formations, but I've never seen just one. And so this light, this orb comes out of the tree line, comes into the field where the horses and cows are, and it starts floating and dancing above the head of the cattle and the horses. And we're sitting there watching this thing for like 30 or 45 seconds. And she's freaking out at this point. I'm freaking out too, because I've never seen anything act like that. Sorry. My dogs are going crazy outside. Let me, uh, is it, are they being too noisy? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you can, uh, I don't know, muzzle them or I'm going to shut this. I'm going to shut this. I'm going to shut this door. That's fine. That's I'm funny. in my travel trailer and uh that way it's just not so noisy. So anyway, so this this orb is floating around these and it's what's weird is that the horses and the cows just don't seem to even care. Like you would think they'd move or scatter or whatever. It was like they were almost like a it's like they were oblivious to this thing. So it lasts like 30 40 seconds and then it just floats back into the trees where it came from and disappears. And me and my girl are outside and we're talking and we're like all pumped up about this thing that we just saw. And here comes Benji walking up the trail to where the truck is. And first I don't see him. I just hear his feet shuffling up the pathway. And then he gets close to us and he hears what we're talking about. And he's all, he's all, yeah, right, bro. You didn't see Jack bleep. You know what I mean? He's all, he's all, it was probably like uh, somebody walking down the road with a lantern. Maybe it was somebody on a motorcycle. Maybe it was this. Maybe he's like trying to, de to debunk us, you know? And we're trying to explain to him, like, Benji, we're not stupid. We know exactly what we saw. Like, this is how it moved. This is what it looked like. And then it was weird. This is just where it totally just intensifies to the extreme. He goes, no, let me tell you. He's like, I got to admit. He goes, there's some weird stuff that happens up here. He goes, I just try not to pay too much attention to it because it'll screw with you. And then I'm not kidding you. It's like you blink your eyes and then boom, dude, right in that field, 
right where like the open grass is and the animals were in the field, just all of a sudden out of nowhere, dude, just like it just all of a sudden appeared a giant UFO. I mean, huge dude. This thing was like, like a three or four story tall building. And it was like, I know it's cliche, but like, it's like a football field. You know what I mean? It length and it's kind of oval. It wasn't flashing lights. It wasn't making any like audible noise, but I, I, you could feel like this hum, almost like, like subsonic. Like I've heard like elephants can create sounds like the human ear can't hear, but I guess you could feel the energy, the, the, the bass, like there was almost like a vibration, like all of a sudden that started happening. And it was like, you couldn't hear it, but you could feel it. And we are all turned around staring at this thing. And I don't know how much time passes and we're just, I'm, we're all staring at this thing. And, and you could see it because it was like hovering around in a small circle and you could totally make out the whole exterior of it. And you could see the moonlight hitting it. And the way I explain it, it almost looked like a really pristine lake at night when the water's really still and you see moonlight hit a, hit the water, how it like shimmers and shines. That's how the exterior of this thing looked. And then it's, it's, and it's hovering and, and every time it moves, like you, you, it's blocking out whatever's behind it. So whatever clouds are behind it or whatever stars are behind it. And, and you could totally make it out. And I just got this really ominous feeling like of sheer terror. It was like looking into like the face of the unknown. And I was thinking in my head and in my spirit, I was like, if this is what I think it is extraterrestrials, I was like, first off, we're nothing compared to this thing because obviously like, what can we do? Like, even if we have guns at the ranch, you know what I mean? I wouldn't even attempt to pull out a gun and shoot at this thing. You know what I mean? And plus it caught us off guard. I didn't physically have a gun right next to me or on me at that point, you know? Um, I wouldn't even, I was, we were all so scared just looking at this thing. And I just got this feeling, man, like I felt so insignificant at that time, like that point in time, like I felt like a mouse and that was a cat and it could pounce on, on us at any moment. And there's nothing we could do about it. Just sheer terror. Like I was scared out of my wits. Thank God I wasn't by myself. I probably would have passed out and got abducted. That's how scary it was. So, you know, being like all the stuff that I've been through in my life and, you know, you know, being a spiritual man and being a follower of Jesus. And I, you know, I pray to him as Yeshua and all the, you know, reading the book of Enoch and all this stuff. All I could think of to do was to start to pray, you know, cause I always remember it says, you know, any, anytime it says spirits are present, you know, call out on the name of Jesus cause he has power and dominion over those spirits, you know? And so the only thing I could think of to do was to start to pray. So out loud, I just start praying. And I start praying in Jesus and Yeshua's name. And I remember like in my prayer, because I had read the book of Enoch, I started calling out to God to release one of the archangels. Because in the book of Enoch, if you've ever read the book of Enoch, it, it references Michael, Raphael, Samuel, the, the you know, uh, Gabriel. And it talks about like, you know, I, I called upon the, uh, on the angels protection and Jesus, you know. And I'm not saying it's me, I'm not that pompous to think, oh, my prayer, you know, like, no, but like when I called on his name, his name, Jesus name, like, and this is what even just confirms my faith even more now is, you know, seeing the power that his name has. But as I started to pray out loud, audibly, this thing, 
this UFO, this vessel in the sky goes, it breaks apart into four separate smaller vessels. And then it starts flying towards the mountains behind it. And, and then it's like, it just hits like a wormhole or something and then just vanishes. And like, we are all just sitting there. I like, I, we couldn't even think of words to, to say, I think we, we just, we stopped. We definitely stopped hanging out outside. We went inside. I think Benji's like, I'm going to sleep, dude. And then like me and like, yeah, you went to the area in that house where we would usually sleep. And I don't think we caught a wink of sleep, sleep that whole night. Um, so that was definitely like the most intense UFO encounter that I, I've, I've ever had. And like I said, his, his, uh, you know, girlfriend that he's with now, and they recently had a new baby and his dad's real old school and he's in his late eighties. So he, he won't really talk about this stuff, you know, cause he's like the old school tough guy and, and like he does, he's real quiet and he won't talk about it, but I know he's had experiences too, but you know, Benji's called me and told me, dude, like there's lights following me, you know, from the turn at Sapeo all the way to my house. He's like, I'm seeing aerial formations. Uh, there's purple orbs. It's like, so he had when he, the night that he saw the giants, he said that, uh, he was in the back section of his house that looks the, where the truck was parked and the tree line starts to go up to that side of his property. And he said, all these like thousands of purple lights started manifesting in the trees. And he said, the trees started moving. Like they had a mind of their own and the tops of the trees were bending in and touching each other. And he said, through the pinkish purple light that was emanating through the forest, he said, he saw silhouettes of giants walking around back there. And he said, he said, it's going to sound crazy Raul, but he said, they look like they had antlers on their head. And I was like, what? And he's like, I'm not going to tell anybody. Now I'm telling the whole world. He's like, I'm not going to tell anybody. He's like, nobody will believe me. And I was like, well, I believe you because I've, I've seen some something out there I couldn't explain. So I don't doubt you. And he was telling me every time I pull out my phone, he's like, I try to, I try to capture it. He's like, it would shut off like a, like a TV. And then he's like, as soon as I put my phone down, He's like, it would start back up again, like some crazy symphony. And then he's like, then, I, and then his girlfriend came and she was watching it with him. And he, he said, this thing went on for hours. And then he said, these entities started to cross the field and walk towards his house. And he said, he was so terrified that he almost wanted to scream at them and tell them, if you're going to mess with me, just come get me. But he said he was so scared that even in his spirit, it wouldn't let him say those words out loud and that he couldn't say it. And then eventually, as he just stood his ground and watched it, these things superseded back into the trees and disappeared. So there's like, and there's just, he's had, he's had dogs come back with perfect triangles, chunks missing out of their ear, you know, animals go missing, like, yeah, weird stuff, dude. And not, not to mention in that same, around that same area in, in Mora, New Mexico, a few years back was where a whole herd of elk just dropped dead, like a hundred elk all at one time, just dropped dead. And the news reported that they had caught a parasite from some pond that they were drinking in. But like, you think about it, elk are migrating animals and they do not, 
you know, they're not all going to simultaneously drop dead in one spot, you know, and even if they did catch a parasite, the stronger ones, the older ones, you know what I mean? The ones that are sick or weak or young, you know, they might die off in one spot and then the herd's going to migrate somewhere else. And then the healthier ones will drop in different places. They're not just all going to simultaneously fall dead. And, and my buddy used to work for the national forestry. And I talked to a lot of people that worked up there and they all say foul play. Like there's more to it than what they're leading on. But, you know, there's been weird phenomenon that's happened up there like that. You know what I mean? And, and to me, like, I almost think like it's UFO, UFO activity causing this stuff. And, uh, so that isn't the last, <laughs> I still got a couple more if you're with me, if you're still yeah, down yeah. here a little bit more. No, I'm still good. Go ahead. Uh, this, yeah, yeah, you're so. a great storyteller. You're, you're just filling it in for us. This is easy. This is great for me. Oh man. Yeah. No problem, man. I'm happy to like share, you know, it's just like wild stuff. <laughs> I sometimes I think about it and I can't believe like I've experienced these things. I feel pretty lucky. You know, it's weird to say that, but I do, you know? Um, and then, so on, and this is in the same general area. So my, like I said earlier, my, my girl's family, they have, uh, some ranch land in a, in a similar area, but it's on the other side of those same mountains. But this would be like the Rocky Mountains in New, in New Mexico. So it's the same Rocky Mountains that run up through, you know, Colorado. And uh, this is in an area of like the Santa Fe National Forest, I think it is. And what's the other one? Uh, the Pecos Wilderness is back there. And uh, I've heard like uh, other people talk about like encountering Sasquatch in these areas. Benji said he knows of two guys that hunt Sasquatch. And he, I told him, dude, introduce me to him because I'm interested in that stuff too. But uh like, uh, me and my girl in, uh, the summer of 2017, the year before my last, my youngest son was born, um, we were at her family's land on the other side. And there's a lot of, uh, strange activity that's starting to happen on this side too. And, uh, see, my girl tells me that before all this weird stuff started happening recently, she's like, she, she's shocked that all this crazy stuff has started happening recently because she's like, our parents and my cousins and me used to go out there, you know, for summers and we would sleep in sleeping bags underneath the stars with no tents and nothing and just sleep out wide in the open, you know what I mean? Next to the cabin and like, our parents would leave us there and like, we would just stay there like all night. And she's like, I never once like had anything spook me, you know, we'd always have just the time of our life with her cousins. And, uh, you know, in 2017, uh, her and I, I took my nieces from Kansas that had never, they were like from Wichita, Kansas, and they'd never really been to the mountains, you know? So I wanted to give them that experience. And all they did was cry the whole time about not having Wi-Fi or, um, you know, uh, you know, they couldn't do their makeup and, oh, you expect me to use the bathroom behind a tree type thing. So I gave them the little cabin house and me and uh, my girl and and my other son, Johnny, who at the time must have been like six or seven, six years, six years old, I think. And my little my little dog, my pug, we were sleeping outside in a tent and the the dog was asleep and my kid was asleep. And it was just me and my girl in the tent and we had like a little lantern going and I always do keep like a firearm on me, especially out in like the wild or the wilderness. And it's pretty, you know, remote out there. So I did have one pistol with me in the tent and uh, I think it was a 38 special, you know, a little uh, rubber grip, short nose 38 that I had. 
inside the tent with us just in case, you know, and, uh, we're laying there and then we start to hear coyotes. It started with coyotes, which is a very typical sound you hear up in that area, you know, yipping and yapping. And it sounded like there was like multiple coyotes and they were communicating with each other through this little valley area where her family's land is. And you can hear them, yip, 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 that, those noises that they make when they get excited. And then they were doing other little vocalizations, I guess you could call it like a howl or whatever, you know, and totally it was coyotes all day. I know what they sound like, you know, and then all of a sudden the coyotes just go dead silent. It was like they were yipping and yapping and playing. And then out of nowhere, dude, they just zip nothing. And I know people always like, when I listen to like stories about like Sasquatch showing up, people always say that there's a dead silence. Well, that's what happens. Like all of a sudden, like the, the locusts or, you know, those things that buzz in the trees and like all the bugs and all the creaking crickets and everything just, it's like all of a sudden you couldn't hear anything. And like me and my girl kind of there, like we were enjoying listening to the coyotes, you know, it's kind of cool, kind of pretty, kind of pretty, you know, I wasn't scared of them, you know? And then all of a sudden, man, from down the valley, like it just comes echoing and bellowing through the Canyon is this God awful scream. And I mean, the, you couldn't like, somebody with a microphone, like one of those metal screamers that's just screamed notes in a microphone couldn't even carry their voice this long. This thing just like, it went for like 10, 12 seconds, just full power. Like it was like a scream. And then it, it like went into like a hackling laugh and cry at the end. And it almost had like a yippy howl at the end, but it was like a scream at first, you, you know, but really powerful, like, and it just hit us, dude. Boom. That sound hit us. And like, like I froze, my girl froze. And then like off in the distance, like the people that have a ranch next to her, I guess they had some horses corralled in like a, like a metal trailer. You could hear this horse that, that, that was inside this metal trailer. It spooked this horse. Cause you could hear this horse kicking a metal trailer, you know, like it was freaking out. And then all of a sudden, you know, like a few seconds later, boom, again, this just disgustingly disturbing, loud howl scream sound comes again. And my girl was like, she's so scared. Like she's like frozen in fear, dude. Like she's white. She's not saying anything. And then she like tugs on me and she's all, why don't you go check on the kids? And I looked at her and I was like, screw you. dude. I'm not going outside. Like, are you kidding me? And she's all, but you got to go check on the kids. You got to go check on the kids. And I wish I had the, the wits, but it, it caught us so off guard. Like I did have a cell phone with me at that time. Like to backtrack, like when we were at Benji's ranch, like we don't get cell service up there. So everybody's like, why did you film that thing going on? It's because like, well, cell phones don't even work up there. Like, so we, le we left it charging inside. This time I did have a cell phone with me because I was like listening to music on it, but I didn't have the frame of mind to pull it out and start hitting record. Like, you know, but when she tells me to go check on the kids, I grab my phone and I turn on the flashlight on the phone and I grab the gun and I'm walking the pathway using my phone and walking like tactical style with my gun pulled and the, and the phone is a flashlight. And I walk back to the little cabin and the kids are inside blasting music, having a pillow fight. And it's my two older sons and my two nieces. And they're just like having the time of their life. And I tell them, Hey, did you guys hear that thing? 
like screaming and they're like, no, you're, are you stupid dad? Like, and I was like, and they were laughing at me, telling me like I was tripping and like, I was like, you guys are like stupid. If you couldn't hear that, like I told them, you know, like, how could you not hear that thing? But they had the, they had music going full blast. Like there's 16 inch wolfers in there and they're like having a pillow fight. So they were so oblivious to this thing. And I walked back to the, to the tent. And I just remember being like, so scared that night, like just terrified because I'd never heard anything like that. I'd been in the mountains. I've lived in the mountains. I know what a bear sounds like. I know what cougars sound like. I know what coyotes sound like. I know what elk bugle like. I know the, the snuffy like breath sounds that deer make like this thing was otherworldly is the only way I could explain it. Didn't see anything, but definitely heard something wild. And then, so we tell her brother, her older brother, cause her brother and her dad are the ones that take care of that property. The most they go and they tend to the cows and they, you know, they make sure like everything is going okay. And they check on the property from time to time. And her brother used to go and stay at that cabin all the time. Like it was like his own little getaway, you know, and he would use it to like, you know, take, take a woman out there, you know, for the night or, you know, do whatever he would do and hang out with it. He'd go out there by himself. You know what I mean? And there he had like a DVD player and a stereo system and a, and a, like a futon and, you know, a little fridge and everything in there. So, you know, he, he'd go up there and stay and he would never talk about it, but all of a sudden out of nowhere, he just stopped going there and he refused to go there. And the only time he would go there once it got dark was if there was multiple people around he wouldn't go up there by himself. He'd still go up there, but he wouldn't go up at night and he wouldn't go by himself. And he, and he's a big, tough guy. I mean, he's like, I mean, like six foot three, like 250 pounds. My girls, all the guys in my girl's family are big dudes. And he's a, and he's one of them. And, and like, he didn't talk about it. He would like, we told him what we heard and he kind of like acknowledged it, but he like, didn't really go into anything. And then just recently, like he admitted, he, he started telling us that and he calls it the hauler. I don't know where he got that name from. I don't know why he came up with it. Maybe it's the sounds that he heard, but you know, he, what he's describing to me is a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch. And he's had multiple encounters with this thing out there. And not to mention there's missing people from this area too, like very well experienced rancher type guys that have hunted their whole life that went like tracking elk or deer and then just were never found no trace. They still haven't found these guys. They're just gone. You know, there's a couple missing people from this same area. So there, there's weird stuff in this area too. And, but he's told me he saw um, that he was sitting on the porch one night and that um, he had the porch lights on and that across the small Creek from where that goes down from where the cabin is on the other side, you know, where there's like hills and little mountains, like in the tree line, he said he saw the silhouette, you know, shadow of, uh, the biggest freaking uh, beastly looking man on two legs, <laughs> you know, and it was moving seamlessly through these trees. He said he, he had, did have a rifle with him on the front porch. He said he turned on this thing and pointed a rifle at it and that this thing moved like it almost like vanished into the trees. And then next thing he knows, he said it was behind him, like on the other side, of him, like running past him on the other side. So it had, it had circumnavigated him and was now on the back side of him. And he said, at that point, he was like, Oh, hell nah. 
and he went inside the cabin and he said, he's heard this thing. He's, 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 uh, you know, vaguely seen this thing a few times, but he claims that one night too, that it was just running around the cabin, banging on the walls. And he said that that's a, that he won't go out there anymore, but he does what he said. He wants to do a YouTube documentary and try to hunt it down and talk to other people from out there. And I told him, Hey man, if you do that, I want in. And then, uh, so that crazy stuff. And then this is kind of like coming to a, like in, in more recent times, the last few things that happened to me, uh, you know, like this summer, uh, out in front of my house, I had, a. I was sitting in the front yard cause I pay attention to the skies, you know, religiously because of the experiences that I've had. I, I'm always looking at the sky, you know, the other night, just this summer, I saw a shooting star. Like uh, it looked like a streaking shooting star. And then all of a sudden it turned into a bird and just start flying across the sky. I saw that. Um, I have uh, a place where I go fishing and I stopped at the little bait store talk to these people out there and they were showing me these reoccurring you spinning ufos that keep appearing over there by uh Cochiti lake on an indian re- reservation and it happened for a week straight in the same spot like over and over again and they have video footage pretty good video footage of this thing and uh and oh and then so the scream and then that activity that we've heard at my my uh girl's ranch isn't the only thing this in, in the summer of 2020 we went back but this time we were in a we were in uh now i got a travel trailer but at that time before i traded in and got this we got this we had a pop-up trailer so it's a little more secure feeling than a tent right um, but still not the greatest feeling you know what i mean still not the most sturdy structure but better than sleeping in a tent well we went out there with some friends of mine that that i worked with that we inv- had invited out there and you know they ended up leaving early, which left us there by just me, my girl, and my youngest son now, because he was alive. My all my other kids were all gone. So it was just the three of us and my pit bull. He was a puppy at the time, my newest pit bull. And uh we were uh and I had a bunch of guns with me too, because I had been shooting. You always go shooting out there. But I had left my guns in my truck, not with me. I had one gun with me inside of the pop trailer the other guns were inside of my truck and uh we had this really weird night you know i i got a creepy feeling that whole night that something wasn't right i kept feeling like something was watching us you know uh we've already had that weird screen happen to us out there so in the back of our minds and the ufos and you know but like i plan on living a rural type lifestyle eventually like i can't let these things stop me from living my life that i want to live like, you know what I mean? I saw Jesus move a UFO away from me. Like, I can't fear these things, you know? That's what I tell myself, you know? Um, I want to I wanna live out there eventually, you know? And, uh, but, yeah, so we go into the, the pop-up. We were going to make, make it an early night because the night before we had been drinking with my friends and this night we didn't want to drink and we were going to get ready to pack up and come back to Albuquerque the next day. And we were, we were there and we're in the pop-up trailer and... I'm trying to go to sleep and I'm kind of in between that state where you're conscious and asleep. And, but I wasn't like in full blown sleep, but I was falling asleep, but not quite yet. I, I could still hear everything that was going on. And I swear, I started hearing footsteps in the campsite, like real faint bipedal footsteps. I could hear them. And it just sounded like leaves crunching, 
you know, like dirt shuffling, I guess you'd say like, like leaves that have fallen on the ground and like, you know, little twigs or branches, you know what I mean? Just real soft though. But it sounded like it was just all over the camp. And, but I was like halfway asleep and I was telling myself like, and, and, and what's weird is we started to hear a whisper and it sounded like a woman whispering. And, but I couldn't make what they were saying. And I, I was like halfway asleep. And then just like a sleep, per, like a paralysis came over me in this fear. I don't know why, but like all of a sudden I was so terrified and I was trying to move my body and my girl was laying next to me and I don't even know if she was asleep. And like, all of a sudden, like, uh, like when you have an anxiety attack, I couldn't catch my breath because in the back of my head, I was still conscious. And I was thinking if somebody is in my camp, like I have a bunch of guns in my truck. And if somebody's invaded our camp, they could go in my truck and like grab all my guns, shoot us. You know what I mean? Like if these are like camp raiders or whatever, or whatever it is, you know, like who the hell is out here? Like this is on fenced private property, like in the middle of nowhere. Like there shouldn't be bipedal footsteps and whispering in a camp, but I could not get myself up. And I start to have like an anxiety. And I guess like I took like a deep breath and I finally caught my breath and I shot up out of the, the side that we were laying on in the pop-up and my girl woke my girl up. I was like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And, and I was like, what's going on? And I was like, and I was like, please grab, grab the light, turn the light on, turn the light on. And she finally gets the light on and, and, and she's like, she's like, were you hearing that too? And I was all, yeah. And she's like, she's like, she's like, look outside, look outside. So I grab my nine millimeter and I, I cock it and I get the light and I start looking like out the window. And I ain't gonna lie. I was scared to look out the little window of the, of the pop-up. And I kind of go around the pop-up and I couldn't find anything. And, and, uh, yeah, just really weird, dude. Like it was like really scary, like the way it, it all played out that night, you know? And I just, I couldn't sleep. I don't, I don't think I slept that night either, but, uh, you know, I've heard like of, I know it sounds weird, but I've heard like of stories on, you know, Wes Germer's show, Sasquatch Chronicles, where I've heard other people say that like, the the whispering women and sasquatch is kind of a thing too like they can make all these different vocalizations and or i don't know if it was a ghostly spirit or like you know like like a bruja which is a witch in spanish or you know over here they too they talk about the la, la llorona of course because it's a spanish culture and there was water right there but i don't think it's la llorona or anything like that but there was something like creeping around our camp you know that night and uh that's yeah, really weird you know that's pretty much like, you know, leads up to like where we're at, you know, nowadays. And I just, I continue to keep my eyes open and, and I continue to like be open-minded and research this stuff. And it's like, I, I want to encounter some of these things, some of these things I don't, you know, and some of these things I'm scared to know what they truly were that we heard or I don't know, but there's some, there's some really strange stuff going on in this area of Northern New Mexico. <laughs> wow, man, you got me intrigued. You got me intrigued for uh, New Northern New Mexico for sure. It needs to be put on my list of places I'd like to visit one day and do some uh, fun investigations and get the hell scared out of me. You know, like you're talking about, <laughs> you're talking about giants and Bigfoot, UFOs, and demons and witches being possessed. <laughs> on purpose just to owls help other following you around owls. Yeah. It's just like, what the freak, you know, 
<laughs> Dude, man, Raul, this was awesome, man. Like you, you really had a lot of stories to share and you did a freaking awesome job. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, no problem. You know, like I said, it's just a, it's an honor to get to share these things. I really appreciate, you know, the work that you and like Wes are doing for, cause these are, you are the two uh, podcasts that I listen to the most, you know, and, and, uh, I've got to talk to him before, you know, and, uh, I really appreciate the heck out of what you guys do. And I think, you know, it really is like therapeutic to like talk about these things and get them off and, and, you know, uh, get it out there for other people to hear who might've experienced similar things. And I know that there's, you know, people in New Mexico are going to listen to this and, and other places too, you know, cause this stuff goes on all over the place, but you know, it's, it really is a hotbed over here. You know, I was telling you like they dropped the A-bomb over here. You know, we got weird spiritual energy, Roswell, you know, all the native cultures and the skinwalker stuff that's all huge here you know I've, I've been hearing a lot more like sasquatch stuff from our our northern mountains even into the sandias you know i've heard of like people encountering them up there um and not to mention like dulce and like uh, you know the underground labs that we here have here in sandia and los alamos and like it, there is something there's some kind of like spiritual energy that's going on here in New Mexico where I think it's just, it's just ramping up and ramping up and ramping up. And it's my own personal opinion, but I think that eventually this is just my feeling. I think that everybody's going to come to know that this is all real one day. You know, I don't know if it's going to be a mass invasion or, or what, but you know, if you read your Bible and you talk about, you know, Christ coming down from the heavens in the chariot, you know, on, on the clouds, you know, and, you know, like some of the things that I've seen, you know what I mean? Like uh, Ezekiel and the wheel in the sky and Elijah and the chariot of flames. And it's like, you know, what were they, what were they talking about? You know what I mean? I think very well, they're explaining this phenomenon, you know, from times past. And I think we're coming into a time with technology and everything else that's going on in our world and the spiritual energy and the direction of the world where I think, you know, I've warned people all the time, like, Hey man, don't be surprised. All you guys are going to, see this stuff one day and then you'll say ha ha Raul wasn't crazy he told me about this years ago (laughs) (laughs) yeah man yeah uh so New Mexico is a state that I don't know if you feel like this but I mean from the outside looking in I feel like that's a state that's not often talked about and maybe even forgotten I mean do you feel like that that from the inside looking out well you know like uh it's definitely we live below the poverty line compared to like, you know, we're next to Arizona, which is a really nice state, you know, and like they have fancy places over there. And, you know, um, we live next to Texas and Texas has that whole bravado Texas thing going on. And, you know, Colorado's pretty synonymously beautiful and has some nice places, but New Mexico's kind of like, you know, the weird little spot in between it. I think it often gets forgotten about, but you know, it's, it is a, a very special place. It's called the land of enchantment over here. We joke from people that live over here and we call it the land of entrapment. <laughs> you go on vacation, you stay on probation, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like we have everything we, besides the beaches, you know, we have the plains, we have the deserts, we have the high desert, we have the mountains, we have thick forests, we have, you know, uh, we have white sands, we have, I mean, you can travel this state and you can see so many different, like beautiful landscapes. And yeah, a, a lot of stuff goes on here. There's a lot of really, uh, ancient old, you know, Spanish history, old West history, native American history. And, uh, the folklore goes back, you know, like, uh, it's, it's pretty 
you know, besides some of the political stuff that's going on over here, like, you know, I never thought about leaving this place. I kind of in love with it, but, um, I don't know. Recently I've also thought about moving, but it is a pretty, it's a pretty, uh, unique place. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I was talking to you about it earlier and stuff before we started recording. And, uh, you know, we're talking about possibly moving to Tennessee and, uh, I, I just, there, there's, I've been falling in love with Tennessee and many, many reasons why, but, uh, for one, it just offers the lifestyle I want, man, more rural. Like I'm so tired of so many people around me. I mean, I, the County I live in has a million people in it. You know, it's just like, uh, it's just too many people. I, I, I need some space to myself and, uh, I'm thinking about Tennessee, but, uh, New Mexico is a little far West for me, but shoot, if it was a little closer, I'd consider it. Oh, you know, and, and it's not overpopulated, you know, like, Albuquerque's got about 500 some thousand people now, maybe close to 600,000. But, you know, besides like Santa Fe and Taos are kind of like richy and synonymous with like, you know, like rich travelers who spend money, you know what I mean? Um, but other than that, you know, like, uh, this state really is just like, like military bases and labs and, and, and then just, uh, you know, most people out here probably, uh, below the poverty line. Um, but, it's uh there's some really just strange places over here <laughs> it and, but it is beautiful and i and i like it because it's not overrun with people but you know now with everything that's going on everybody's leaving like california and these states and and they're starting to come over here and then and now hollywood's over here too and they started shooting a lot of movies over here and netflix is here and amazon prime's here and all these movie studios which is actually kind of cool because i actually got to work with them and that's currently what i've been doing i'm in between jobs with that but just finished up wrapping up this new show that's gonna be coming out on amazon prime i can't even mention it because i could get in trouble but <laughs> well yeah. you, can, you can tell me about it after uh, after we end this so uh yeah that, yeah but no man I, I do appreciate you coming on and and, and sharing your stories man it, it's been really fun no nah, man i appreciate it thank you for having me and uh yeah, our talk uh, before we even uh, jumped on the interview was just awesome. So I appreciate that too. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it, because that's the best thing you can do to help the show grow. Thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in this week. And until next week, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off. Bye.
Push me down.